This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Tim Bratz. Thanks for being on the show, Tim. Whitney, excited to be here, brother. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Tim is the CEO and founder of CLE Turnkey Real Estate, a real estate investment company that acquires and transforms distressed apartment buildings into high-yield assets for their own portfolio. He's built a passive business through real estate and created a residential income that allows him to live the lifestyle of his choice. He's here to educate and empower others to become financially free through commercial real estate. He has a $180 million portfolio consisting of over 2,000 rental units. Tim, thanks again for your time today and being on the show. But give the listeners a little more about who you are and what your focus is right now in real estate. Yeah, well, I appreciate you again for having me. Appreciate all the value that you bring to the table, buddy. So I'm 33 years old, went through college when the market was going gangbusters last time. So 03 to 07, got involved with real estate. People said, hey, if you want to make money, get involved in real estate. And that's kind of what motivated a a 21-year-old kid back then. And so I, my brother lived out in New York City. I went out there and I became a commercial real estate agent, you know, representing landlords and businesses, finding spots. And so I brokered my first deal, my first, my first lease out there that was 400 square feet. And we signed a $10,000 a month lease agreement on 400 square feet with a 4% annual escalation and a 12-year term. And realized pretty quickly I was on the wrong side of the coin. I needed to be owning rental property instead of brokering it. So, you know, you start reading all those books on personal development, real estate, and all these different things and realize that I really love the concept of residual income and doing something one time and then getting paid on it over and over and over again. And obviously passive income, doing something and being really hands-off and having either a business that was passive or an asset that passively created income on a, on a regular basis. And so I love that, but I think a lot of us get into real estate for that allure. And then we kind of get jammed up and stuck in that rat race of uh, transactional deals, right? So we go start flipping houses or wholesaling houses. I was doing a lot of that. We got involved in like the turnkey business where I'd buy a single family house, fix it up, package it with a tenant management and then sell it off to somebody who just you know wanted to own real estate passively. And a couple of years ago, about 18 months ago, looked at my portfolio, where was I making my money and where was I spending my time? And 90% of my wealth came from my apartment buildings that I was pretty much passively invested in. And it was about 10% of my time. And so I pivoted my entire residential investment team into apartments. And we went from about 400 units a couple years ago to a little over 2,100 units today. Nice. I hear it so often about, you know, people that get into real estate, they develop a flipping business or, you know, something like wholesaling, but they're still, they're just creating another GOB, you know? And so eventually that seems they get into multifamily and then they're like, why didn't I start this a long time ago? You know, so tell me a little bit about, you know, you realize that, would you say like you're, Wealth was coming from your passive investments in multifamily. Is that right? The majority of my wealth was being created in my holdings versus this transactional. You know, if I went mm. and sold something, yeah, I'd keep the lights on, put some food on the table, but I'd have to go do it again in order to get paid again. And the reality is majority of my wealth and maybe, some, you know, I mean, we're in real estate, right? So some of that is actual cash that was coming in from these. Some of it was an equity in the project itself. But the reality is my net worth 
was making me wealthy was all from my apartment building portfolio. So that's really where majority of the net worth came from. And that's where I wanted to focus on, you know, it's like the transactional stuff is, is cool. You can have a good lifestyle you can get rich doing that, but you can't build wealth doing that. Yeah. You mentioned that. And that was actually the thing that was taking the least amount of your time. Exactly. I raised some equity and raised some capital for some joint venture partners and helped kind of sponsor some of those loans and got involved in some other, some of my own projects as well. I'm out of Cleveland, Ohio, but I invest in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, and a couple other areas. And so I just took a look at kind of what were we doing? I pivoted my team. I took my residential team and I took my acquisitions guy and told him to stop looking at houses and only look, only look at apartment buildings. You know, I took my project manager, instead of renovating houses, we're going to only renovate apartments. And my, my dispositions guy who was selling our houses said, instead of selling houses, you're going to be managing the management company, managing our assets. And so it, it was... It was a big mindset shift, but it was really only a minor pivot for my business itself. And it's catapulted us. It's, it's been you know, a quantum leap of where we were just you know, 24 months ago to where we are today and the opportunities that are coming up. You know, I mean, I have, I'm at 2,100 units and I have another 1,100 under contract right now. We just got a, a signed LOI on another 360 unit. I'm looking at 500 unit portfolio. So it's pretty remarkable you know, when you make that sort of commitment to the universe, how the universe responds and it says, Hey, I want to encourage you and, and reward you for drawing a line in the sand and burning the ships. I think it's interesting how you mentioned that it was a small shift where to me, it sounded, I mean, it sounded like, you know, you all had a business, you had these systems in place. And then all of a sudden you said, nah, you know, we're, we're cutting this off. We're shifting. We're doing this over here now. Yeah. To me, that would seem like a big deal, you know, when you're this many, you know, other people that are involved and other employees. But, you know, I, I like the mindset of where you said, no, it was just a small shift. And now we're, we're taking off in a new direction. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been great. It's been phenomenal. I wish I would have done it sooner, you know. Yeah. I'd like for you to explain a little bit about how you are syndicating deals because it's different than any model that I've heard before or any guests that I've had on the show even. So, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about how you're structuring these deals and just your syndication process and business. Yeah. So my model is a little bit different. So I've, first of all, I've never been to a course or a seminar or read a book or anything before I came up with this. Um, I'm friends with some of the big syndicators in, in the country now and I've met them through some different networking panels and discussions and things like that. But I just kind of came up with this on my own through, I don't even know. I was just like, it, what made, it's what made sense for my investors, what made sense for me and the different types of projects that we were investing in. So I call it Bratz syndication. So it's going to be a thing. I'm trying to get into Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> That's <But> awesome. <laughs> what I do is I look for value-add properties. And, and this, this all stemmed out of the residential realm. I'm a residential guy by how I got started. And what we would do in the residential realm is you try to find a house that you can buy and renovate withholding costs and be all in for 65% of the stabilized value, right? So I just figured when I'm buying apartment buildings, why don't I follow that same method? And I see a lot of people in commercial real estate buying things at kind of like retail prices. And for me, that never made sense. I'm always an investor. I'm always looking for a discount at a wholesale price. And so for me, I only buy apartment buildings where I can be all in you know, instead of talking about a house that's worth a hundred grand, you got to be all in for $65,000. I'm looking at $10 million building. I need to be all in for $6.5 million. So how do you get those kinds of deals? One, you got to find usually distressed assets, right? It's usually physically distressed or from a management perspective, distressed or just a motivated seller. 
in some capacity. And then we're able to come in, buy those, renovate them, force that appreciation by all the sweat equity that we put into these things. And because we can force the appreciation so much in a very short period of time, I turn around and refinance my properties in 12 to 18 months on average. So I buy it, renovate it, stabilize it with good tenants and good management. And then we turn around and slap long-term debt on it. So we go and get an agency loan at 75%. So on a $10 million deal, they'll give me seven and a half million bucks. That allows me to pay off my equity investors and my bridge loan, my construction loan of $6.5 million, my all-in price. And then it leaves me with a spread of a million dollars of non-taxable refinance proceeds. So because I'm able to get my investors out that quickly, and because I can stabilize a property in a very predictable amount of time, I'm able to then project how much I'm going to spend on debt service if I pay them as if it's either a debt or you know a fixed pref. So I pay my investors a 10% pref, and I know that if I'm going to borrow 1.5 million bucks over the course of 12 months, it's going to cost me 150 grand. I just add that into the basis of my property. So I buy it, renovate it. You know, I'm, I'm making payments regardless of the property's performance to my investors. So my investors are happy because they know that they could see the money coming in on a quarterly basis into their bank account. And then when I turn around and refinance, I keep 90% of the deal and I pay 10% of the equity to my investors in perpetuity. So they made a good return on their investment while it was in play for 12, 18 months. And then they get all their money back and they get 10% of the refi proceeds. So another hundred grand. So that, that boosts their IRR to closer to like, I don't know, what is that? Like 20, 25% almost. Then they get 10% of all the, all the cash flow in perpetuity and 10% of any future sales proceeds. And then they come right back to me and they say, Hey Tim, let's roll it into another deal. And I'm able to give them a little bit more velocity on their capital than they can in a traditional syndicate. So it allows me to not have to raise money every five years. It, like it, I can raise money one time and rotate through that same amount of equity every 24 months and use the same equity investors in many more deals. And I can take down more deals because of it. Now it's a lot more work on my team and on me because we're taking on these, these heavier value ads, but for our background and our risk tolerance and our business acumen and our project management, what our skill sets, and our unique abilities are, it makes a lot of sense for that. Now you gotta have, you gotta one, find awesome deals. Most of our deals are off market, direct to seller deals. We very rarely buy through brokers. Number two is you got to have badass project management in place. People who know how to renovate a property and run crews. I mean, I have, I have one deal going down right now that we're spending $10 million in CapEx over the course of about 15 months. And so wow. it's, you're talking about, what is that? Seven, $800,000 a month that we're, we're putting in, or about six, $700,000 a month that we're putting into these things. And that's just one of my projects. So there's a lot of heavy value add in there. But it makes sense. You know, I don't take an acquisition fee. I don't take any sort of asset management fee. I only get paid when the property refinances. And when the property refinances, that's when our investors get all their money back. So now we're in the same boat, rowing in the same direction, and visions and goals are aligned. I think traditional syndication, you know, not taking away from anybody who traditionally syndicates, but I think traditional syndication, there's incongruent goals and objectives for both the syndicator and the investor. So I think the way that I've kind of framed it has really worked well for what I'm doing. And my investors seem to love it too. Our guest is Adam Yori. Thanks for being on the show, Adam. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Whitney. I'm really excited to be here with you. 
Awesome. I'm glad to have you on the show, Adam. It's been great to get to know you a little bit over the last what year or so and see you making it happen in this business. Looking forward to hearing more about your story. But Adam is a business agility consultant focused on helping organizations clarify and meet their business outcomes. Adam is also a real estate investor helping busy business people energize their retirement plans through multifamily real estate investing. Adam is head of investor relations for Dreamstone Investments and is the co-host of Tech Guys Who Invest podcast and Tampa Cashflow Education Meetup. Adam, thanks again for being on the show. Give us you know, a little more about your focus right now, maybe where you came from, and, and let's talk about your superpower and just really getting into this business and, and the mindset that you've had. I feel like, again, you can help so many people, so many of the listeners, including myself, and, and it's, it's such an important piece of getting started in this business and being successful, whether you're passive or active. But get us started, Adam. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Whitney. I, I guess I'll, I'll give just a little bit of context. So, I'm what is in my industry known as an agile consultant. So as you mentioned in the intro, I I come in and I help large businesses, very large enterprises, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, change the way they do business, primarily focused on how they deliver software and other complex products. So it doesn't have to be software. But with that, I'm really more on the process side of things and helping teams learn how to collaborate well together, learn how to optimize their processes and and just approach their business in a different way. I love this day job. It fits me like a glove because I'm a big mindset guy. I love helping people grow and improve. But, you know, with the day job, there's some lingering fear of how safe am I? What if something unforeseen happens? Like, you know, something you can never predict. I don't know it global pandemic. <laughs> and all of a sudden, not everyone you know, needs consultants. That's one of the first things to go. So a few years ago, I was having a conversation about this with a coworker of mine. You know, I just wasn't sure how to break out of the rat race and be able to achieve financial freedom. And she asked me if I read this little book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I said, no, I've heard of it. But I've heard of some other financial books. I, you know, listened to Dave Ramsey. She said, why don't you check that out? So I read that book, blew my mind, completely opened it up for me. I just dove into that like crazy. Got that book at the library, by the way. Went back to the library, got a bunch of other books. Finally figured out real estate investing was my ticket to wealth, right? What I'm going to get to here in a sec, Whitney, is one of the reasons I think I may be able to help some people listening to this show is I'm just an average guy. I'm a guy who is breaking out of an average life into an extraordinary one. And I didn't think I could do that. Like there was a point in my life where I just sort of saw myself as just Adam, you know, doing a good job at work. But for anyone who's thought, wow, I would love to syndicate deals. I would love to do big deals, but I just don't know if that's me. That's for other people, right? I'm telling you, you can do it. And I am an example of that because... Just a few years after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, me and my team just closed a 90-unit deal last month. We're under contract on a 100-unit deal right now that we expect to close in a little over a month. I never would have thought I could do something like that. And it all begins with your mindset. It really begins with believing you can and educating yourself and then taking action. So Whitney, you mentioned my superpower, and I think it's servant leadership. 
I feel like that's a great superpower and, and it's a place we could all improve on, that's for sure. But but I want to hear more about, you know, just what, what does that mean to you? Why is that important? What it is to me is someone who serves first and leads by example. So the difference between this and someone who has a leadership first mentality is with a servant leader mentality, you're making sure the person's needs are met first. You're taking care of the person. And then you are helping them by leading them. That comes after you make sure that their needs are met. With a leader first mentality, there's a little more of a dominance thing and and you're more concerned with the power and leading and having the authority than you are with making sure the person is growing. And for some reason, I'm just wired that way and it fits me well. Nice. I love how you explain that. Just you serve first. And you hear that often, you know, but really, do we do that? Do we think through that? And I like how you said, making sure the person's needs are met first and helping by leading. Can you tell me, I mean, I know that's not commonly understood. I think you had mentioned that. Can you give us an example or go into depth about what does this look like on a daily basis and why is that beneficial? Now, that's a really good question. So I'm a consultant by day. I'm a, I'm a coach for our clients. And an example is meeting a person where they're at. So what I do is introduce a pretty drastic organizational change to people. And a lot of people are afraid deep down inside. Now, they would never describe it that way, but it's fear driving their behavior. So you'll see some dysfunctional behavior, resistance to the change, those types of things. And if you can empathize with them, meet them where they are and help them through that, figure out with them what's their fear, what's going on there, and partner with them to solve for that. Get them through that, then it opens them up to your message and to the change, and now you can start to move them forward, but you have to meet them where they are. If you don't go in with that kind of mindset, you'll never win them over to grow. They'll dig their heels in and they'll stay where they are. So that's one example. With the investing stuff, it's a very similar thing. Someone may be thinking, yeah, I want to, but... And then there are a million excuses. So we have to kind of help them see through what's really going on there, get to the root, discover that and solve for it. And then ultimately help them understand... You can do this and you should because it will not only unlock freedom for yourself, but for your family and your loved ones. And you can make a great, exceptional life for yourself where you impact the world. You impact those around you for the better. Mindset shift is so important. And, and I, I talk about this when I'm speaking all the time. When I first started you know, thinking about this business and growing and scaling, it wasn't until really I took a big mindset shift and really committed before things started to happen. Mindset is so important. I just said, never give up mindset is what I say a lot of times. And, and uh, the scarcity mindset is, is almost something that we're just taught. I know the listeners heard it yesterday. We talked about this one with another guest briefly. But that scarcity mindset just really holds so many people back, right? I mean, you really don't believe it's, it's going to happen for you or that it's even possible. I mean, you don't step out there. You're afraid to put yourself out there. How did you get yourself past that? Yeah, absolutely. For me surrounding myself with 
positive people with the right message, uh, people like you, Whitney, and others who encourage you to grow, to move past the fear, to grow your mindset, to take on this abundance mindset, surrounding myself with those messages because I hadn't had exposure to that before. It's one of the reasons I was where I was. So I had to kind of elevate the people I was around, elevate the level of the mentors who I chose to follow. And that's huge, right? You've got to have that kind of message that pushes you and stretches you forward. Education's a big piece of it, but you have to have a good quality source. I mean, I remember when I met you, we met the first time at a Rod Cleef event. And I remember when I met you, I was like, man, that guy is impressive and where I want to be one day. Like, I, could I see myself doing some of the things he's doing? That's what, what I thought about you when I met you. And um, it wasn't, you know, I was asking myself, like, could I do this? Could I do this? And I'm happy to say I've been working on that ever since and trying my best to grow and do similar things. That's kind of the attitude you want to take on. And Surround yourself with messages that support that and let you know you can. Wow. Well, I thank you for that, Adam. I appreciate those kind words. Uh, I probably would have said, no, you need to go look at somebody else. <laughs> but I'm grateful for that in a big way. Tell me, though, how you have stayed encouraged you know, through that time and through that transition, because it's easy. And I know listeners are probably going through it as well. I know I did. Just when you know, you're pushing through that type of mindset, that mindset change, it's not easy because everybody around you, typically your network hasn't changed yet, you know, at that point. And people that you're still surrounded by are still saying, oh, really? Why are you doing that? You know, or are you really going to put this many hours in? Or why are you doing this to your family? You know, all these negative things and may even start to question yourself, right? How did you stay encouraged and stay focused? For me, I sought out that message from mentors. So I would look for people who could help me grow, even if I didn't personally know them. So, you know, like listening to your podcast, listening to other podcasts that would have that kind of message, finding books and other materials that would start to teach me this. I had to learn this and I didn't even know that I needed to learn this when I first started out. So I think really just taking action to intentionally grow, like you're hearing us talk about this if you're listening to the show right now. So proactively go take a step, go to the library and find a book, listen to more of Whitney's episodes. I, I don't know, like, you know, figure out ways to get the information. And that's what I did. I educated myself and was just hungry for it. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.